Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our summer sermon series, Tour by Faith, this touring of God's Hall of Faith, leads us to the journey home to the promised land today. We'll see a couple events, one at the front end of that journey home and the second one at the other side of that journey home at a city called Jericho. You might remember that between these two events, there were 40 years 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, and I would think it's very safe to say this. Those 40 years weren't really marked by those two words, by faith. The people of Israel grumbled and complained against God. They rebelled, and yet the writer to the Hebrews chooses events on each side of those 40 years to demonstrate that God had still placed faith in the hearts of his people. We'll see the people of Israel walking through water. We'll see the people of Israel confident that the Lord is going to give the victory with an unusual battle plan. And then we'll see God's sparing of the life of Rahab the prostitute. As we do all of this, we'll listen to what the writer to the Hebrews has to say about these three events and the faith connected to them. He writes this, By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. As I think about these words today, it got me thinking about some of the journeys that I've taken in my life and made me think about flat tires. So just by a show of hands this morning, would you raise your hand if you've ever had a flat tire? Okay, we've had a lot of flat, I see a lot of people at home with their hands up too. Flat tires, right? Okay, how are you at changing flat tires? On a scale of no chance, I'm going to call roadside assistance to sign me up for the NASCAR pit crew. Are you somewhere in between? Are you an automatic call? Do you love changing a flat tire? Yeah. If you've had that experience, you kind of know that it maybe doesn't always go as smoothly as you'd like it to. This past winter, my daughter had a flat tire on her way to school and, well, it was laying in snow and trying to get the old tire off and put the new tire off. I, I think she missed at least the first, if not the second hour of school because it took me a little longer than I would have liked. But we can relate, can't we? Even if you've never had a flat tire, you know what it's like to have obstacles when you travel, right? Maybe it's simply road construction or detours. Maybe it's other car trouble. Maybe the traffic is terrible. You know the frustration of not being able to get to the place that you want to go as quickly as you would like or as easily as you would like. As we think about that this morning, think about this. When you go through some of those difficulties, when you go through some of those troubles as you travel, those obstacles, isn't there even greater relief and joy when you finally reach your destination? You made it through the difficulties and now you're at the place you wanted to be. Maybe there's some truth in that as we think about our spiritual journey. And this morning as we see God's blessings to help the people of Israel on their journey home overcome obstacles, maybe it's a good time for us to compare our lives in this world to a journey. We'll call it the journey home. And we'll note a couple of things through our text today. First of all, we'll note that our faith will face obstacles. But then secondly, God's power is what overcomes those obstacles. 
Really, I suppose you could say there's three different scenes that the writer to the Hebrews references in the Hebrews 11 text for today. And interestingly enough, all three of them involve walls in some way, shape, or form in the original, in the original stories in the Bible. Start with the first one. Happened shortly after the people of Israel left Egypt. Do you remember this? They're on their way into the wilderness and they think they're free from the Egyptians and then they're camped with a sea in front of them. And they turned around. And they looked behind them and here came Pharaoh and his army. They were trapped, right? Sea in front, Pharaoh and the army behind, nowhere to go. They began grumbling and complaining against God. And yet God brought a miraculous deliverance for the people, a miraculous crossing. He split the waters of the Red Sea so that the people could walk through. In the original text in Hebrews chapter, or in, in uh, Exodus chapter 13 and 14, it tells us that there were walls of water on the left and on the right. It's almost hard to picture, isn't it? Walking through a sea with a wall of water on each side of you. And yet, we know that this was a miracle because it wasn't just the walls of water that were amazing. They walked across on dry land. The ground was dry. It led them straight across to the other side. Fast forward 40 years for scene number two. The people of Israel are ready to march against the first city that God is going to have them defeat in the promised land, a fortified city of Jericho. And he gave them a quite unusual battle plan, didn't he? We read about it just a little bit ago in Joshua chapter 6. Do you remember that in the course of a week, they actually made 13 laps around the city of Jericho? One time a day for the first six days, and while the trumpets blasted, the people were completely silent on those marches. And then on day 7, God had them march around the city seven times, again, silent, until that last Time around had completed, and then they shouted, and the walls came tumbling down. Walls falling at people's shouts, waters parting. Concurrently with that situation in Jericho was the third event that the writer to the Hebrews references, and that's the story of Rahab. She actually lived on the city wall of Jericho. She had hidden spies who had come to check out what Jericho was like, and because of that, God promised through those spies that he would save, preserve her life. And that's exactly what happened as Joshua reports it in the sixth chapter. All of these things happened as reminders of the great power of God. They, these people faced what seemed to be insurmountable odds. Passing through a sea when an army was behind you and a body of water in front. Defeating a fortified city by simply shouting? Being saved from certain death because the entire city of Jericho had been marked for destruction? Those were some obstacles that God helped clear the path for when he led the people of Israel on their journey home. Maybe we can relate pretty easily, can't we? There are distractions that we certainly face in this life, obstacles that are placed in our way, the fears and the worries that, that run up against us every single day of our lives. There's so many things in this life, aren't there, that are out of our control. It's so easy to worry about things that we can't do anything about. And yet, Satan is good, isn't he? 
He's good at getting us to doubt God, to wonder if God really knows what he's doing. See, Satan is good at putting walls of fear and doubt in front of us through circumstances in our life. But he's also pretty good at getting those walls to be put up in our own hearts, isn't he? Those sinful doubts that we have, the lack of trust in God because we wonder if this could really ever turn out for our good as God promised. That's when it's great to go back to these lessons that the writer to the Hebrews is reminding us of. Go back to those Old Testament accounts that prove, that highlight beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's nothing, there's nothing that God can't do. There is nothing that stands in the way of the power of our God. And by faith, we focus. We focus on that power of God and, and it's that ability of God to overcome all of our troubles that gives our faith the upper hand on our fear. Because we remember there is nothing, there is no one in this life that's bigger than our God. Maybe you're familiar with the show America, American Ninja Warrior. If you've ever seen that show, maybe you've been amazed with me at the, the feats of agility and strength that are necessary for someone to get from the beginning of that course to the end of the course. But do you remember what's waiting for the contestants if they make it through all the other obstacles at the end of the course? That picture right there, called the warped wall, right? It's a 14-foot wall that they have to run up to complete the obstacle course. If you've seen it, it's fascinating to watch someone tired from running the rest of the obstacle course try and get a fast enough start to get up all the way up that hill and then hit the button on the top to complete their journey. Maybe that's another good metaphor for life, isn't it? We have these walls that seem impossible to get up, impossible to complete, impossible to finish. I think about our students who are here today wondering how virtual classes are going to go for the fall semester, wondering if school is ever going to get back to normal again. We all have that fear, right? Will life ever go back to the way it was before all of these things that are related to COVID have happened? Are we going to be able to avoid illness ourselves? What is this going to do long-term to relationships, to my job? There's so many things that put up walls in our way. That's when it's great to remember the God who is on our side, the God who's bigger than any walls that come into our lives, the God of miracles who can do anything. Those miracles that God performed for the people of Israel almost defy reason, don't they? It's amazing to think about the fact that God could split a body of water in two, walls on each side, while a million plus people walked through them to safety on the other side. It's amazing to think that people could march around a city seven times, shout, and watch walls of that fortified city come crumbling down. It's amazing that God would use his people Israel to save someone like Rahab and not just save her, but put her in the ancestry of Jesus. Those miracles are amazing because they not only saved, but they also defeated. It was the enemies of God, those who stood in the way of God, who lost. Did you hear what happened? Do you remember what happened to Pharaoh and his army when they pursued the people of Israel into the Red Sea? They were swallowed up, drowned. The people of Jericho and the entire city of Jericho was destroyed. 
God used the same miracle both to save his people and defeat their enemies. God cleared the way for the people of Israel to complete their journey home. Their trust, their faith that God could do these things was not misplaced because God, the keeper of promises, did exactly as he said he was going to do. Well, here you and I are today, serving the exact same God, the same God who is faithful to his promises, the same God who keeps all of the things that he says he's going to do. And what God did for you and me is fulfill the greatest promise that he ever made, a promise to deliver us from sin and Satan. He did that by sending his own son. Oh, Satan tried to put up walls to stop Jesus, but but no walls could stop Jesus from carrying out the plan that God had to save you and me. We're told that Jesus came into this world and, and completed, he finished God's saving work. He lived a life that was free from sin. The writer to the Hebrews in chapter 4 says it this way, In Jesus we have one who was tempted in every way just as we are yet was without sin. God exchanged our sin, put that on Jesus, and he exchanged that for the holiness, the righteousness that Jesus lived so that God sees you and me as holy. And when Jesus went to that cross, when he paid for our sins on the cross, he shouted in triumph these words, It is finished we can rest assured that our sins have been paid for in full on that cross by Jesus. And now we stand before God, claimed as his own dear children, redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. So that when the walls come, when Satan puts those obstacles in our path, when he tries to make us doubt and fear, when our own hearts, our own minds get caught up in the worries and cares of this world, that's when we remember what Jesus has already done. That nothing in this life is any match. It's no match for what our Savior Jesus has already accomplished by defeating Satan and what he continues to do for us. What Christ has done gives you and me the confidence that our walls crumble before Satan. That we stand completely in the, held in the arms of our own Savior Jesus and heirs of eternal life. Maybe we can ask ourselves this morning, is our trust, is our faith in, a, in God misplaced? We don't have to look any further than Jesus' victory on the cross and leaving a tomb vacant to say with the Israelites, no way. Our trust is in the exact right place. Listen to how the writer of Psalm 121 described where our trust is in. He wrote this, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You are in the hands of the God who did nothing less than put this world into place and continues to preserve and protect it. Some takeaways from our sermon today. Number one, we will face obstacles on our journey of faith. Jesus even told us this, in this world you will face troubles, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Number two, nothing is too great to overcome for the God who loves us. With God, all things are possible. As someone once said, we can come to God and tell him how big the walls in our life are, but even more, we can tell our walls how big our God is. And then finally, number three, 
when we reach the finish line on our journey home, we will be welcomed home to our perfect joy. As we read in our John text, it's Jesus who has prepared that room for us. Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm going to guess that at some point over the last few years, you've seen videos that are recorded when service men and women return home after a tour of duty, right? You have to be almost heartless not to enjoy watching those reunions, right? Be touched a little bit by the fact that a mother or father gets to greet their children, their wife, their, their spouse, and just have so much excitement again to be reunited with their family. Consider this for just a minute. That picture of a welcome home, of that joyful homecoming, that's a small picture of the joy that you and I have waiting for us when the open arms of our Heavenly Father welcome us home. That's what Jesus promises, that a place with him, a room is prepared for us in his name and God is leading us to that joyful homecoming on our journey home. What joy awaits us there. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.